Goodest of good days, cats and kittens, and thanks for resting yourself away from the, I assume, important and momentous realities of your day-to-day lives in order to squander 15 min- to 20 minutes on half-listening to this week's episode of Discontent Provider, the podcast that does at least some of the doom-scrolling for you in order that you might spend your time online a whit more profitably, perhaps by sending pictures of your downstairs business to a beloved newsreader for money. Well, certainly, I like to think our demographic skews vaguely youthward. The idea of a younger generation with no interest in the thoughts and doings of a middle-aged anti-folk remnant and his doleful dog is, after all, a truly horrifying one. Not to be born. What hope the future in that scenario, eh? Eh? So, just out of curiosity, did that cheap shot at Hugh Edwards arrive earlier or later in the proceedings than you expected? Personally, I rather think that I showed enormous restraint in not slapping it in before the theme music. Uh, Not so much because I'm irresistibly drawn to the comic potential of a National Treasure's fall from grace, although who, in all honesty, isn't, at least a little bit, but more because I wanted to get it over and done with. Now, whether or not the mellifluous Mr. E is a monstrous criminal predator, aided and abetted in his depravity by high-ranking BBC executives motivated by either blind loyalty to their organisation or the chance at having a, maybe being able to have a crack at the young person involved once Hugh had left them a fucked-out husk, it, it, that's unclear. On the whole, I, I, suspect, uh, I suspect it's not the case. Uh, certainly, in a story, a story older than Time's Big Brother... Somebody with money has sexually exploited somebody else, and that is undoubtedly fairly repugnant from a moral standpoint. But if, as has been suggested, it was a mutually agreed-upon exchange without a criminal aspect to it, I'm, I'm really not all that bothered. Certainly, it would be hard to watch Mr Edwards doing that tapping at the laptop thing that newsreaders do at the end of a broadcast without thinking, Oh, ho, ho! Well, what's going on there, you dirty wee bastard? But uh, that's a matter for the Beeb and him to sort out. If, as has also been uh, suggested, though not by the police it must be noted, the images uh, involved constitute child pornography, as any involving uh, anyone under 18 do, then uh, I'm all for the legal system having their way with the chap. And if he does have mental health issues, I should hope that that, for whatever it's worth, is taken into consideration, maybe in terms of mitigation, though not be seen as an excuse. Having said that, even if the photos were as entirely as above board as that sort of thing can ever be once it has a commercial aspect to it, there are allegations of threatening, abusive and profanity-laden messages having been sent to at least one of the young people involved. And while I'm as unmoved by any kind of shit-fucking profanity as the next twatting cunt, online threats and intimidation are now seen as serious business. So if they do turn out to be actionable, so be it. Frankly, I'd find that sort of thing a lot harder to overlook than the consensual swapping of snaps of a wee-wee or a hoo-ha, the genders involved haven't been disclosed to my knowledge, for cash. And again, if it uh, eventuates that the bloke isn't currently rowing with both oars in the water, uh, that may be an explanation, but it doesn't in any way let him off the hook. That's my take on it anyway. At least in as much as it pertains to a matter between the newsreader and the nubiles involved. But of course, it's not that simple, is it? Oh, would that it were, podcast pals, would that it were. You see, it's not really about Hugh Edwards banging one out anymore, is it? It's not about how the online world makes it easy for anyone to become a pornographer or a pre-apic simpleton either. No, now it's about the eternal struggle between left and right, 
between institutions and the public, between Rupert Murdoch and the BBC. Pundits on both sides of what used to be called, oh, happy, innocent times, the political divide, but should now be characterised as an interstellar void measurable in parsecs rather than in column inches, have been frightfully quick out of the traps in establishing their narratives. Depending upon which mavens you favour, it's a classic case of a sinister coven of Trotskyites greedily feasting upon the public's money and supple young bodies, or yet another example of a neo-fascist tabloid employing its well-worn compendium of dark arts to smear the last bastion of independence and impartiality in the service of an equally neo-fascist government, all at the behest of a press baron issuing orders from his high-tech lair beneath two smoking volcanoes that have been sculpted to look exactly like Samantha Fox's tits. Fair enough, of course, and pretty much what one might expect if one has so much glanced at a newspaper or been in the same room as a TV set at any point in the past 40 years or so. As ever, both sides hypocritically accuse the others of being hypocrites, and uh, the already stagnant atmos of public discourse has been rendered even more fetid and unbreathable by an ever-thickening cloud of whataboutery and willful cognitive dissonance. Phone hacking, cover-ups, Jimmy Savile, Caroline Flack have all been flung into the mix, each as proof of one side's virtue and the other side's damnable villainy. Everybody accuses everybody else of doing exactly what they're doing, in short, even as they're doing it. The near particular canonisation of the purported victims of the business, Hugh Edwards, is now cited as a poor, confused, depressive, innocently seeking temporary relief from the weight of the constant sorrow upon which it is his sorry lot to report for a mere six-figure salary, while the young people have been coerced into drug addiction and virtual prostitution by a slavering beast using his weight and power, uh, using his wealth and power, sorry, to slake the unspeakable erotic thirst of a dark soul. Now, regardless of whether or not they had an OnlyFans account or a crack habit before they came across Hugh Edwards, or indeed vice versa. For all I know, for all any of us know, both or neither of those may be the case. But to those shouting the loudest, that's irrelevant. I'm pretty sure that many of those shouting the odds, often for money, don't, on any meaningful human level, give a flying fuck's worth of tin shit for either Edwards or the young people. They're just axes to grind, grist to the mill, and useful cudgels with which to promulgate long-standing grudges and animosities. Even as they shed crocodile tears over their phones and tweet, stop overlooking the victims. Aye, well, we will if you will, you disingenuous fuck stumps. Obviously, I'd like to emphasise that I said many there. I'm not suggesting that there aren't people who are genuinely personally affected, either because they're close to the main players in this grubby little tragedy, or because it relates to some way to their own life experience. Uh, their voices, though, have, on the whole, been drowned out, or worse still, co-opted, by the sleaze-ridden pundits who care only for their side, for their cause. Which is, of course, absolutely terrific stuff for some, is it not? Oh my gosh and giddy gumdrops, yes! This couldn't have come at a better time. So much so that one can't wholly discount the usual cries of set-up, false flag and other phrases so beloved of our conspiracy theorist brethren. Space, space and time are both, so I'm assured by the boffins whose spectacles are even thicker than my own, are both pretty big. 
So it's not beyond the realms of possibility for two things, maybe even more than two things, to happen at the same point in both space and time. Yet, one certainly wouldn't put it past a media mogul whose track record for taking a laissez-faire attitude towards events uh, is less than spotless uh, to have got wind of something like Hugh Edwards' proclivities and kept the story on ice in his back pocket uh, until a propitious moment. So it is then that when people point out that this could all be a smokescreen to distract the hoi polloi from something altogether more momentous, I for one am more inclined to go hmm than ha! Certainly, the news sphere has been rather quiet upon the subject of Boris Johnson's reluctant... Sorry, Boris Johnson's unfortunate inability to hand over his phone to the Covid inquiry. After an unsuccessful attempt to persuade the High Court that Baroness's Hallett, uh, crew of interfering busybodies didn't have to see absolutely everything relating to their handling of the pandemic, uh, the government were instructed to submit a welter of diaries, notebooks and Bojo's portable telephone over to the inquiry by 4pm on Monday. Presumably on the legal grounds that a gaggle of twisting fuck stumps with more bodies to bury than Fred and Rose West might not be entirely trustworthy when it comes to deciding what was unambiguously irrelevant, unaided. As we all know, at least we do if we manage to snatch an occasional detail or article from the dust cloud of Edwardsian outrage, the documents were delivered, but Boris's phone was still conspicuous by its absence after that deadline. It's not his fault, of course. Due to serious security concerns, the chubby champion chiseler has not been allowed to turn the damn thing on since April 2021 and has been using a new one since then. I, I recall being rather excited by the phrase security concerns when it first cropped up, given his alleged links. I know, but I have to say it with suspect Russian figures. It, uh, it brought to mind all sorts of thrilling espionage possibilities. Had it been rigged by some GRU saucepot who had wheedled her way into the former PM's not notably exclusive affections uh, in order to gain access to his phone to set it to explode in a five? Did it contain a squadron of tiny Wagner Group commandos miniaturised by fantastic voyage-style technology who could burst out of the gadget at any moment and storm Whitehall? All fearfully exciting stuff to be sure. One imagined it in a vault somewhere under GCHQ, surrounded by SAS blokes, nervously training machine guns on it. Of course, it was nothing like that at all. The security concerns all arose from the fact that the fucking dope had allowed his personal phone number to be freely available on the interweb for 15 years or so. So, as long as it was carefully handled, probably by Q or one of those bods, there was no imminent risk to it being switched on. No imminent risk of it being turned on either, it appears, because Boris has forgotten the code for activating it. Now, clearly, I'm no digital uh, expert in digital communication. <laughs> Dash it all, I can only ever open the right app on my own telephone first go two or three times out of every five. But um, so far as I know, between the Apple support wonks and those cats and kittens that have little stalls on most markets, surely no phone is unlockable, is it? On that subject, uh, something of a digression, I, I know, but I hope you'll indulge me. I, I did once buy a, a cheap blower from a second-hand shop uh, and found something somewhere in its memory a whole raft of text messages saved by the previous owner, who was, by the looks of things, either a loan shark or a drug dealer. 
gripping reading they made too, I assure you, podcast pals. A lot of lurid threats that were as graphic and inventive as they were illiterate. Uh, anyway, where was I? Uh, oh yes, I was on the verge, the cusp you might say, of asking just how slack-jawed and clueless do those on high think we the public are. Dear me, I remember a time when they would at least put a little effort into their despicable mendacity. Now, it's, it's as though they don't feel they, they have to even bother. The writing, of course, was on the wall, and in fairly monolithic biblical film epic credit-sized letters at that, when the official verdict of the fate of that spook who had managed to zip, then padlock himself into a holdall, uh, was accidental death. They, uh, they don't try anymore because they don't have to, I fear. So divided have we become, or else apathetic, by flawed narrative, by misinformation, or by the spinning of fact into outright fiction, the great and the good can pull almost any stunt and then just grin broadly at us, as much as saying, we know you know, but what the fuck are you going to do about it? What indeed, eh? Well, for a start, people would be a little less ready to leap at any silly nonsense like a cat trying to catch a laser pointer's red dot on a wall. It's been going on far too long to ascribe blame to just one case, obviously, but at the same time, I can't help but heave a wistful sigh, like that, uh, and feel that this week's news cycle could have been a damn sight different had Hugh fucking Edwards bought a motorbike like every other bloke having a midlife crisis. I had an uncle that did that, and he never looked back. And I am sure that family law about him using it to visit child prostitutes were mostly exaggerated. And having given you that little glimpse into the foxy family tree's more rotten branches, Arkham and I ought to be toddling off to see what fresh miseries await us all. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be the goodest of good eggs, and I know that you would... Please like, subscribe and share the shit out of Discontent Provider all over social media, won't you? And speaking of that particular abomination, you can tweet at Discontent Provider, Foxy and Arkham, or uh, email us at discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. As it goes, somebody uh, actually did uh, get back to me the other day, so uh, a big shout out goes to Rose, who corrected me about my suggestion. It was no more than that, I admitted I wasn't sure at the time that Rupert Brooke may have coined the phrase flannelled fools when it re- uh, relating to cricketers. She thought it was Arthur Conan Doyle, but uh, having looked into it, we both learned that it was Rudyard Kipling, so we were both wrong. But there's no shame in that, of course. It's how one learns. Brace yourself for the song at the end, then, and as its golden strains envelop you, try to bear in mind that all opinions represented herein are mine alone and should be used for entertainment purposes only. Until next time then, I was the Silver Fox, and Arkham was the Black and White Dog. Cheerio! If only you'd bought a big motorbike Gotten some tats, quaffed your hair into spikes Instead you went scrolling the internet looking for strange Middle-aged happens to everybody There's literally hundreds of harmless hobbies All safer and much cheaper to arrange 
Buy a guitar, take some martial arts classes Just don't splash your cash out on pictures of asses Everyone knows that that kind of thing rarely ends well It rarely ends well Now you're in hospital feeling like shit And the great British public won't help you one bit Your wife might forgive you but your whole career shot to hell some folk are saying that you're the real victim Others are saying your head should be kicked in Some people simply don't care too much either way Many decry you as another symptom Of a morally compromised elitist system Others stay quiet, they're worried they'll go the same way so many people confused and alone Drunkenly hurched over tablets and phone Will this be the night that they make that huge fatal mistake? That fatal mistake! Because once you've done it, there's no going back It's just as addictive as cocaine or crack So who cares if you get exposed as a hidden as fake? Hey, what the fuck, these are difficult times And others are guilty of much darker crimes In the great scheme of things, maybe you're not a bad guy Everyone goes off the rails now and then Especially unhappy middle-aged men You never once said let the dead bodies pile up high Maybe you'll get a free pass just this once You're not quite a victim, you're not quite a nonce Maybe you'll be left in peace to get on with your life Get on with your life It wouldn't have happened if you'd surfed in Bali Or bought that super sweet customised Harley Or better yet stayed at home watching TV with the wife